Hello, my fanist friends. Welcome to my podcast feed. Powered by ACAS Plus, here's a joke from my son. What did the bum say to the other bum? That's a bummer. You know, not for everyone. Uh, so, uh, look, thanks to everyone who's come to see the previews of Can I Have My Ball Back. It's been going really, really well, and uh, I'm really pleased with how the show's turning out. It's officially on tour now from Wednesday. I'll be at the Leicester Square Theatre. A couple of tickets left. Lots of press coming to that one. It'd be lovely to sell out, but there are a few other London gigs not selling as well. So if you're going to come to London... Maybe look up those other London gigs. And then this week I'll be in St Albans on Thursday, Gloucester on Friday, Chorley on Saturday, which is sold out. You can join the waiting list. And Glasgow on Sunday, two shows. I think the earlier show is sold out. Check with the venue, but the later show has some availability. Come along if you can. If you enjoy these podcasts and like them being free, then the great way to pay me back is to buy a ticket to a show or buy a download or a book from gofasterstripe.com. But you can just keep listening for free as well. That pays me back also. So, you know, no no pressure. But I'd love to see you there. If you just know me from the podcast and don't know me as a stand-up, I'm pretty good as a stand-up. It's a good show. I think you're going to enjoy it. It's only made about seven men faint so far. So, you know, are you brave enough to take the challenge? Let's sit back, relax and enjoy whichever podcast you're listening to now. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Winchester Theatre Royal. Please welcome a man who's just commissioned a hundred foot statue of Greta Thunberg to sit atop Winchester Cathedral. Is Richard Harry? Yes, you're much better than last week's audience. They were so bad. Such idiots. Uh, welcome to... Welcome uh, to... Richard Herring's Looking for Sovereign Tibia podcast. Um, when I was uh, talking, I was uh, hanging out at the Alfred the Great Ghost uh, Trail. It's in Winchester. <laughs> Theatre Royal's the fifth stop on the, uh, the Alfred the Great Ghost Trail. Because I think Alfred the Great used to come here quite a lot, didn't he? So he uh, <laughs> liked coming to see shows back in the 1980s with me. Uh, anyway, the... The ghost of Alfred the Great calls it Rahalastava. So that's it. He's not from here. Just because he's buried here and you haven't even got him. You thought you think you might have got his pelvis. It's not enough. 
That's not enough. You've got to... He's from... The, the, even the burning the cakes thing. Where did that happen? Was it in Winchester? That's all he's known for. Was it Winchester? No. It was the plains of Somerset, where I am also from. Stop stealing kings from me. They belong to me. It's King Richard III all over again. Um, well, so uh, what we got for you? Um, I felt like there was, I had something good, but, you know. Oh, yeah, look, the, my favourite thing about um, uh, Winchester, according to TripAdvisor, the fourth best thing to do in Winchester is a five-day Devon and Cornwall small group tour <laughs> from London. Fourth, fourth best tour. Uh, and, uh, again, we're looking at your... Um, your local news. Oh, I had this up. No, hold on. Give me a sec. Well, just I'll do a dance while we're doing this. What's this one? Is it this one? Um, yeah. This is a letter to the Hampshire Chronicle. Fourteenth <laughs> of September. Lack of interest shown in the high street. Yeah, that's you. It's yours. Uh, most people write a letter to the paper in the hope of it being published. Mine was, but it had the opposite effect on me. The purpose of my letter was to bring attention to the lack of interest shown in the high street by the clock never being right. <laughs> I would also like to add there are another two clocks in the high street and neither of them are right either. <laughs> by changing the original title of my letter from apathy o'clock to wrong time, it just came across as a dull letter from someone with too much time on their hands. <laughs> well, thank God we've rectified that. That's Christine Moore. Lives in Park Road. Are you in, Christine? Why are none of the people who uh, read the Hampshire? Park Road, uh, Winchester, if you want to go and give her a visit, just knock up. Most people have got watches now. Uh, get, get with the programme. <laughs> There's a big cathedral. That's probably got a clock on it, right? Is it? Got a clock on it? What? Fucking hell, Winchester. Pull your, pull your clockwork together. Absolutely terrible. Um... Uh, I enjoyed it. I was, I've been doing some publicity for the tour. Um, I was on uh, Five Live with Nihal, who I love. I think he's a brilliant interviewer. We spent about five minutes uh, talking about poo hammocks. I was not expecting it. <laughs> I'd just done a diet where I had to... They'd, they'd look at your gut health, so and, and you have to send a sample of poo. And Nihal really wanted to know about it. It's the kind of thing I would ask on my podcast. <laughs> he said, how do you collect the sample? I said, you have to poo until they give you a hammock. And then I've actually been, I've sent poo through the post uh, twice in the last two months. You got, you got your one, right? No, I got, I, for that, and it's very liberating. I can understand why people start doing it. It's a very, I also had to do a kind of uh, bowel cancer screening thing just as a, uh, that they were sending out to old men of my age. So twice, and I made my own poo hammock out of, um, I didn't tell Nihal exactly what it was. I said it was made of plastic. It was actually the wrapping to some dry cleaning. Just left it. You got to don't pull it too taut, though. If you're going to do it, just do a little hammock and you poop in the bottom. He was very interested in how you stopped your poo. I think Nihal has a problem controlling his. Just stop, right? You can stop. Finish off once the poo hammock has gone. Nihal, that's the answer. That's what's been happening to me this week. So, um. Thought I'd keep you up with that. Look, my guest this week, a fantastic guest, probably best known as IRA Man on Harry Hill's TV Burp. And I honestly can't think of anyone less likely to get that role than this guest. And I'm only going to talk to him about that. Will you please welcome the phenomenal Matt Green, ladies and gentlemen. Here he is. IRA. 
are a man. Look at him. Oh, he's got a little. He's got a little Irish look about him. <laughs> Do you, do, how did you get the part of IRA man in Harry Hill's TV? Do you remember it? I, I, I mean, I remember being on Harry Hill's TV birth. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I do remember being IRA man because uh, I just got it as a, a casting, I guess. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and it involved, it was, I think it was a kind of Benny Hill routine <laughs> where he, it must have been some reference to something that had been on the telly, but I cannot remember what that reference was. Um, and I was like dressed in a very... I think you might say culturally insensitive <laughs> outfit. Uh, and, uh, and I think I remember we sort of ran around outside and he was trying to catch me or something. <laughs> okay. um, so, yeah. It was different times. Classic IRA. Different really, that's what, classic I, that's what they're known for. Yeah. And you know, that's why you're such a great actor, because I can't imagine you committing uh, bombing of it on the mainland of and yeah, any I kind. Have. And yeah, 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 yeah. Have. yeah it's fine. Yeah. Um, look, it's lovely to see you. And I suppose this is this is what's quite interesting about you is that you can't, you're one of those people who has been working for quite a while, been going for twenty or so years. Yeah. And you've sort of done, you've been in everything. Yeah, I've been in lots of things. <laughs> you've yeah. Sort of, have. But just for a very small amount of time. <laughs> I've, I've done, like, one day on loads of shows. Yeah. So people are always like, do I know you from something? And I'm like, okay, let me read this CV. <laughs> Believe me, there was a lot of things I could have chosen that you were best yeah. known for. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I'll list some of them now. Please do. What, what would you... What My favourite thing about the IRA thing is, though, the, um, and don't clip that out of context. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do have an Irish passport, so I think technically oh, I could good. be a member. Um, yes, but, but, no, I... Um, uh, was, the, was the, for a while uh, that was my sort of best TV credit. So, um, like stand-up clubs would use that as my credit. Okay. So yeah. it would be like you know Matt Green as seen on Harry Hill's TV burp. Like, and every time I thought, please don't check what the credit was. <laughs> yeah, it was literally I didn't say anything. My favourite thing about the IRA. If we're okay. Doing that, Are we doing this? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Is. Um, oh, uh. Well, I've just read this fantastic book, um, and now I won't be able to think of the guy's name, but it's about the Brighton bombing, which uh-huh. is obviously mainly not a good thing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> was, it a t- was Winchester the right time to air this <laughs> particular guy? I, don't, I, don't, I would say, you know, I'd come down on it being wrong. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but I had to, if I had to come off the fence... Bad. I'll, I'll go with you, bad. Then. Yeah. But my favourite thing, and I've, I've been misquoting it, and I'm still going to misquote it, is because Mrs. Thatcher thankfully survived yeah. to have another another nine or ten years in power, uh, and <laughs> uh, the, the IRA said you were lucky this time. Yeah. We only have to be lucky once. That's my favourite thing about the IRA. I think that's a, I've used that in a lot of sitcoms. That <laughs> quote. But they didn't quite. They didn't quite say it. So it was. It's misquoted. It's, a, it's cool. Come on, that's a cool thing to say. No, I'm not saying what they did was right, but they, to follow up with that, that's pretty. Well done, the IRA. It's what the hat. <laughs> There's a little tip of the hat to the IRA there for that. Do click Just that. for that bit, not for the blowing. Though it was a very... I mean, when you read the book, it was a very intricate plot. So right. hats not to them for... <laughs> but they made some mistakes and they got caught. Yeah. So Good. hats off to the British police. <laughs> I'm very fair. I'm nothing if not fair. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why Winchester does this to <laughs> I'm glad I only do one every three years here because I would definitely be cancelled. 
I think there's at least three things you could have been cancelled for already tonight. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I think so. Uh, look, some of my favourite things that you've... What would you have chosen as your best-known thought, uh, ironic best-known for things? Oh, God, there all are the so many. I mean, I've been a vicar in lots of things. Yeah. And policeman number two and things like that. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so one of those probably. You're very good at uh, sort of figures of authority being irked, I would say. Yeah, yeah. And I quite often get cast as figure of authority who's less authoritative than he should be. Yes. Yeah. So sort of they're like, oh, he doesn't look like a policeman. That's my role, basically, yeah. yeah. There are some, but there are some really great things you're in. Uh-huh. Garth Marenghi's Dark Place, which mm-hmm. people will remember very fondly, you're in. Yes. I'm, I'm, in, I'm in it twice. Yeah, that's um, right. So, uh, as the chef's assistant. That's right. Um, which, yeah. Uh, <laughs> alongside Stephen Merchant, who that's has a, right. who's did well on this show here. Um uh, he was very good. He was good. He had a good time on this. Yeah. Uh, uh, and I'm, I'm also one of the Scotchmen. Uh, <laughs> in, and that was, I remember that very well, because that was uh, like one of the hottest days of that year. And we were in a very airless studio. And we all had like ginger beards sort of stuck on us. And basically every, sh- every take we had to stop and like have them reattached because they were just sweating off our faces. Have you done anything culturally insensitive to the Welsh in your career? Just to, <laughs> just to, just to complete the... There's a thing about leaks, but I think that's fine. Uh, that's <laughs> okay, fair enough. Uh, Ali G in the house. Yes. The movie. Yeah, I was in a movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More than one movie, but that's 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 yeah. an impressive movie to be in. It was exciting. Yeah, it was my first first film, and uh, I played the Englefield Green Massive. Right. Yes. That's who right. again? Thank you. Uh, <laughs> always a few fans in, <laughs> and I had to learn this gang sign, which I can't do anymore. Like a, a small e. Okay. That was the uh, good. Yeah, yeah, uh, and yeah, and it was me. And, and the idea was, it was a, there was a scene where he went around like he was doing a shout out to all of the gangs in the area, and they were all sort of you know people dressed as Ali G. And then it cut to me, and I was doing my homework, uh, <laughs> and then I just did that to the screen, which yeah. is fun. Um, but the best scene in that was I, I also got to be in a scene where uh, there were loads of body poppers. And if you've seen the film, it, basically there's a bit where he has to get an electric current to go from a car to a safe and blow up a safe, and it has to go through a load of body poppers. And I was the first person in this thing, so I was the one who um, sort of started the body pop chain. And every other person in that scene was a world championship body popper. (laughs) And I didn't know this until I got to the set, and they were like, so, Matt, uh, this guy's just going to teach you how to be a body popper <laughs> in about ten minutes or something. And, and he just, like, was doing this all this time. And I was like, is that right? And he was like, oh, it'll do. It'll do. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. I, 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 I mean, that was quite an interesting point in Sacha Baron Cohen's career because he was, he was obviously hmm. big in the UK, but that film, I presume, was him trying to... Was, he, was, it, was it still quite parochial, that show? I, or, I don't know. I mean, I, yeah, it was the, quite... Did he America with that? I guess so. Yeah, I guess it was him trying to... Well, it was, I guess he had the opportunity to make a yeah. movie, so why not? And it's got Charles Dance in it. And, yes. you know, it's quite a... It's, I mean, the film, it's patchy, but it's got, it's got some really fun stuff in it. Yeah. And, uh, and then I think, I think... But I think that's the first... Yeah, that was the first sort of, um, like, drama, like, comedy drama, like, fiction thing he did. And then he yeah. went back to doing, like, Borat and all yeah. that kind of stuff, which I guess was his, more his kind of niche... You know. Yeah, no, it's in- very interesting. Uh, I saw you acting alongside Idris Elba. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> in the new James Bond. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, that's it. Uh, that's a show, a sitcom called In the Long Run, um, which it did a few years ago, where I played a vicar. Uh, 
Oh, yeah. Uh, and that, yeah, that was fun. That's set in the, gosh, when is it set? The 60s, 70s, I guess? Because yeah, it's it sort of be, about yeah. his, his father, really. It's sort of um, who immigrated and, uh, to the UK. So it's about that kind of the, um, the kind of culture clash. And, and it, it, the, the scene I was in was in a, uh, in a church where he has pretended to his mother, who still lives in Africa, that she's like a proper Christian and goes to church every day. Uh, every week and uh, she comes over to visit and he goes to church and has to kind of pretend that he knows about church uh, and has to do a reading uh, but has never uh, has never read the bible basically and has to do a reading from a bible verse and his brother sort of nicks the bible from him just before he's about to go up so it's quite a fun scene where yeah. and I, d- I had to do a lot of acting <laughs> yeah. a lot of well that's not in the bible <laughs> acting which is quite fun yeah well do you know you've trained hard to, yeah yeah that's yeah. the first year of a drama school how was Idris in real life? Was he? Did he get? To he was nice. Yeah, he was, yeah, uh, very pleasant. Um, yeah. yeah, he was. He was also the. Um, I think he was like the exec producer and stuff. So he was kind of very much the big. Yeah. He was not just the star. He was also like the guy in charge. Um, but yeah, it was fun. It was. A yeah. good, it he was feels a like he's nice. I think so. Yeah, some of the people. I don't, I'll, I'll be lying if uh, if I said I spent much time with him. But, yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, but yeah, we had a couple he... of moments on stage where it was literally it was like on a stage where he was doing this thing. And yeah, we had a few minutes where yeah. chatting. It was nice. Do you think if you passed him in the street, he'd recognise you and say Absolutely hi? Absolutely not. No. no. <laughs> Even if I said I was the vicar in that day, <laughs> would you recognise him if he passed you in the yeah, street? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting. It's interesting the way. It's funny, isn't it, how these things work? Yeah, sometimes. yeah. Yeah. No real explanation for any of it. So it's hard to know. <laughs> um, like, it's, there's so many. And, you know, the first, I think the first thing I ever saw you in... Yes. ...was the Cambridge Footlights. Probably, yeah. Uh, and I didn't always go to see the Cambridge Footlights, but it was quite an impressive uh, gang of people that you were yeah. at the university with. It was a kind of golden period of Cambridge Footlights. I yeah, I guess so. Yeah, it, well, it was certainly... I mean, I think... I, I think it's weird. It's weird to talk about golden periods because there's always some people who do all right from it. Um, but yeah, we had the the first year I was in. Uh, I was in my first year, which is kind of relatively unusual. It was me, another guy called Richard, who uh, also does um, kind of acting stuff now, uh, and a girl called Alex, who is now in New Zealand, being a counsellor, I believe. Okay. Um, uh, and two people you might not have heard of called John Oliver and Rich Diwadi. Yep. Um, <laughs> who are all right. Uh, uh, and they were kind of very much a double act at the time. That was they were kind of like yeah. the guy, the two guys that everyone thought they're going to be hugely successful, and they'll go off and become the next Lee and Herring, probably. Yeah, probably. Uh, and um, luckily for them, they split <laughs> up. And, uh, but yeah, they, that, and that was an amazing show. But it was also because um, for the first time in a long time, they brought in like a sort of an external director, like someone who'd not not from the student body kind of thing, a guy called yeah. Calma Crystal, who had worked with like the Boosh and people like us who were a sort of clown team. So it was quite a different kind of show. It was quite a sort of, yeah, clowny show, um, yeah. which was great for me because that's, yeah, it was, I'd never done anything like that before. I kind of learned a lot about how to be on stage without, without material, just kind of working off what the audience was responding to and that kind of stuff. Right. I mean, you've, you are still a very boyish Thank you. man. Yeah. I mean, you were sort of a boy at the time, but you were a particularly boyish boy. Yeah, I was a very... Yeah, I mean, this is a weird conversation, though, isn't it? <laughs> it is. I feel like I'm walking into a trap. <laughs> or maybe setting one. Yeah, um, yeah no, I, I mean, I guess, yeah, I would have been 19 when I was doing that. So pretty young. And I was very, very young looking. Like, I have... I still have photos from that time where I do look ridiculously young. I've, yeah, I've always had quite a sort of youthful face. And so... Uh, 
that show, we very much played on that. And yes. I was like the um, I was like the work experience boy who'd been brought in. And so almost all the stuff I had to do was was me being sort of yeah, kind of put upon. The, probably the most memorable bit in that show was a um, uh, it was an acrobatics team where there were the four blokes in the show were in like an acrobatics team called the Dan- the Great Dandinis. But just before the sketch started, there was an announcement that one of them had died. <laughs> but they were going to carry on the show anyway. And I was the dead one. So I basically played a corpse in an acrobatics team. And I just got basically got thrown around the stage. Yeah. Um, and can I make it clear? I was not trained on how to do that. <laughs> I had, like, bruises all over my body by the end of that tour. Because, we, because I was kind of young and I just, like, flexible, I just sort of fell on the stage. And I tried doing it about three or four years later. I thought, I wonder if I can still do that. And it was so painful. It was yes. ridiculous. Um, but, yeah, that's what... And I remember that, that year, that just reminded me, that year uh, in Edinburgh, first time I'd been to Edinburgh in the fringe so I was like excited and going to see all these things and going to see all these different um, shows and experiences and one night we went to see uh, Late and Live which was the, the old Gildan Bloom before yeah. that burned down and uh, we turned up at the door and the bouncer was on the door and he was like have you got any ID mate and I said <laughs> I was pissed at the time because it was like midnight or something and I just went yes that's the joke <laughs> <laughs> and he was like no do you have any I said, no, no, no. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, it's, it was, you know, I do, I do remember that. And I remember, I think I, that, I seem to remember you being sort of manipulated around, so it must be that exact yeah, yeah. sketch. That's the, but it really stuck in my mind. I don't actually remember any of the other people who were in it. So there you go. I remembered you being in it, but oh, that's I didn't nice. remember Richard and John were in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I do, I, I did see quite a lot of student comedy, and it's largely forgettable. That's what I did. Do you, do you know what I mean? That's <laughs> why I, I was doing the Oxford. Do you, do you play Winchester Theatre? I, I we did go on a big tour, so maybe we did. Yeah. I can't remember. Do you sell yeah. out because we sold? Uh, probably not. No, we rarely sold out. Did the audience love you because they they love me here? That's why I keep coming back in the house. I just don't love me as much again. We did that tour. We did. Um, I must have told this story before, but most of it was a disaster. Right? This is Oxford Review. It was 1988, I think, uh, and the world was changing into a different place. I think, in, even in a way, by the time you were there at Cambridge things had kind of relaxed a bit. Yeah, a bit, a bit, yeah. Uh, but it was really the point where alternative comedy had taken over and student comedy was, like, had to be stamped out. Uh, and so we went round various theatres, mainly not selling out. Uh, and we did Glasgow. Uh, and uh, so I think the last gig before the Edinburgh in Glasgow, hardly anyone came. It was the week of the Piper Alpha disaster, which was where <laughs> a, uh, a, a oil... Uh, Refinery thing in the sea, what's oil rig? Yeah, loads of people had died. We had, went down to silence. We didn't say anything about it. We went to the bar afterwards, and a, a couple of the audience were in there, and they go, "Man, you should have done some jokes about paper alpha." <laughs> we go, "Yeah, that would have gone pretty well, I think. If we'd done us, we we should have some Oxford students turning up in Glasgow, <laughs> joking about the just the recent death. Maybe that would have turned that. it round. Maybe that would have so that, yeah, that, that was my main memory of it. That reminds me of that show that first year. It, it shows you how different, like, Edinburgh Festival was. That that was ninety eight, and that was the year of the Manchester bombing, right? Which happened during the Fringe, I think. Yeah. I think it was August, and we didn't know about it because we weren't on. Our, you know, none of, none of us had friends. We weren't reading the news because yeah. we were students in a Fringe festival, and we had a joke about the IRA in the show, right? Like a very silly joke, not you're a obsessed, kind of mate. You're obsessed. Yeah, I know. Today. What's wrong? With- I know. Um, you were lucky this time. And it was quite... It was, it was a very silly... 
One of these days. <laughs> yeah, they, they know where I'm going. <laughs> but yeah, it was very. It's just very. It was quite. A, it was a silly joke about it. it was like it wasn't. It wasn't sort of political, really. Uh, and we did that joke. And I remember being backstage. I did. Luckily, I didn't have the joke. It was one of the others. And I remember being backstage and did joke. Normally, got quite a big laugh, and it got just dead silence. Right. I remember being backstage thinking. The IRA have done something. And they like, <laughs> literally went out straight away and looked at the papers. Oh, they've blown up Manchester. Oh, we probably need to cut that joke then. Yeah. Yeah. Those were the days when you had to get a newspaper to find out the news. <laughs> Remember that? It's like, I'll go and look at the news. I'll wait till 10 o'clock until the news comes yeah, yeah. on. <laughs> we'll see what's happened. <laughs> what a wonderful world it Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow! Did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com/acast and use code acast for twenty percent off your first purchase. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/people today. Was. Let me ask you some emergency questions. Can I've got a whole book of Christmas emergency questions? <laughs> Perfect Christmas gift. <laughs> it's currently September. <laughs> well, you know, plan ahead. Um, uh, have you? Uh, this is the first thing that's coming up. Have you ever been on a plane that's been in an emergency and seen a genuine look of fear on the face of a flight attendant? Uh, no, I don't think I've been on. I've been. I've had bad turbulence, but yeah, never, never, never felt genuinely scared for my life. No, I was. I was on a plane that had to, to turn back. Oh really? I, but I got. I drunk four gin and tonics as soon as I got on, <laughs> and fallen asleep. Uh, and when I woke up, I didn't know what was happening. <laughs> but all I, could, all I remember is seeing a flight attendant looking absolutely scared and hearing something about smoke in the oh, cabin. God. Wow. So that was good fun. But it was all right. It turned out OK. We got back to... I was in the West Indies and they, they divert us to Barbados and then we had to stay in Barbados for a night and they put us up in a hotel and everything was free. Uh, <laughs> it was great. I there wish was, I'd had that now. There yeah. was uh, fire engines on the waiting for us. It was amazing. amazing. Did you get think... to go down a slide? Uh, no, we just walked yeah. out. It was because there was nothing wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there was anything wrong. I don't know what it was. Um, I'm going to go. I'm going to go early and classic, just because it'll, it'll make people happy. watch. Watch how happy this makes people. And okay. then you'll, I'm then watching. You'll, then you'll understand what it is to be a truly loved comedian okay. when you see when you see how. <laughs> Matt Green, would you rather have a hand made out of ham? Hey. Look, how happy, look how happy. They're simple people. They're very simple people, but it, it's all I'm here to do is make people happy. And if I've done that, I don't care. Or a, an armpit that dispenses sun cream. Uh, well, 
I mean, I feel like I've answered this question so many times in my own head before. <laughs> it's never been satisfactory. But, I mean, because I, I, I'm kind of mostly vegetarian, so probably yeah. not ham. Had, although but I it's know... Not, no animals die. I know no it's animals die, but I don't, say, I, I don't really like ham mm. as, a, as a food these days. So okay. Also, I'm quite someone who needs sunscreen all the time. It could be corn. Be a hand made of corn for you. Well, now you're talking. <laughs> could it be Saitan? <laughs> Could be. Yeah, that weird thing. Tofu. 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 I was going to suggest tofu. I've been making some nice tofu-based dishes recently. But tofu is horrible unless you spend ages marinating it and, yeah. and frying it. And I just, I feel, like, I feel like sawing my own hand off in order to put it into a wok for 10 minutes. Yeah. Feels more like a nightmare than a fun thing, I'll be <laughs> okay. honest. All right. I'm going to go with the armpit because, yeah, sun cream, I get through lots of sun cream. So, yeah. Everyone does. You only have enough for personal use. That's fine. Make, I don't care about anyone else. Clear. As long as I'm not going to get any skin cancer, I'm cool. I've come up with one for you that I think you have an answer to, but I've come up with a new emergency question for okay. you. But I know that you've that something must happen to you. But okay. whether whether this uh, is a, you might have a better answer than what I'm thinking. What's the worst thing you've had thrown at you? It's quite a good question. What's the worst thing you've had thrown at you? Thrown at me? Yeah. Uh, I think I know what you're coming. Yeah. I well, actually, probably eggs. Oh, okay. Um, but I know what you want me to say. I know, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, but eggs, uh, yeah, I've been uh, egged, a f- uh, I think, two or three times in my life. Uh, okay. Never on stage. <laughs> that's sort of worse, Matt. I know. <laughs> At least it's on stage, it makes some sense. If it's so, in real life, it's like, there he is. Let's get the fucking egg. Yeah. Get that cunt. If you've got eggs, you have got some eggs. I've always got eggs ready. You okay, yeah. Matt Green walks. That's why I had to leave the, the village in the end. That's what. <laughs> Um, no, I got I, I got egged as a, like quite fairly young when it was it was mischief night, uh, which is kind of around Halloween. Which brought, what? Was, brought, brought, yeah, uh, what? No, don't like, say mischief night. Yeah, mischief as night. if that's no, a thing. Uh, we're night? all looking to go. It's mischief night. You know, it's like the purge. Yeah? It's like <laughs> it's like a really shit like West Yorkshire version, version okay. of the purge, basically. Because I, yeah, I was born and brought up in, in West Yorkshire, so um, and I think it's a kind of northern thing. It's around Halloween. I can't remember whether it's like literally the day before or something like that. Okay. And it's basically a similar. It basically sort of is the purge, as kids go around throwing shit at people, and um, <laughs> and they and, and I think yeah, it the was, purge is a bit more than that. Yeah, I know, but I've only watched the PG version. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, and and like some kids threw eggs at our house, and I think I remember opening the door and I got sort of hit. Um, but the worst version of that was it was on Halloween. I was doing a gig somewhere. Where was it? Uh, oh, I think it was Bromley. That's where it was, Bromley, Kent. Okay. Uh, I was walking home. This is years ago now. I was walking home, and I got drive-by egged. Wow. Like, this, this car zoomed past, and I heard this guy, and, and, like, and this, like, eggs kind of around me. And I think one caught me. I didn't get really badly hit, but, like, one kind of caught me. And I was like, what the fuck is that? And it was eggs on the floor. Yeah. So watch out, Bromley. Did you... Did you take it personally or did you think I took him home and made an omelette. That's what you're going to do. You know? <laughs> think it was a random, just a random attack? I hope so, although yeah. it was after the gig, so maybe oh. it was... Maybe some audience members were like, that was so shit. I'm yeah, gonna we have to go, go home, home and get some eggs. <laughs> well, next time, bring the eggs to the gig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't go home. Wow, that's good. That's better than the answer I was, that I was expecting. So well done. <laughs> Well done for that. Let's talk about what, what uh, people may be uh, familiar with you from uh, if they are on the internet. Have you got that the internet yet? In, got the internet? Yeah. Um, you've, you've, you've made very good use of the internet and a lot of comedians started in this, but I think you again were one of the 
early adopters of thinking this is a good place to try out sketch ideas and character ideas, and uh, yeah. you, you seem to crop up a lot on uh, on my feed, at least, and good. very very funny stuff, Polit- sort of political stuff and topical stuff. You also do bits of uh, your gigs and stuff that you put up as well on Instagram and stuff. Yeah. You? But but let's talk about the what what prompted you to sort of have a go at you know doing short stuff online. I mean, boring answer, but lockdown. Um, I'd, I'd already been doing... I'd been making bits and pieces, some sketches and some short films and stuff yeah. before that, just kind of for fun and just... And would put them on YouTube and things, but not with any sort of regularity. And, and I'd sort of dabbled... Well, I was sort of... I think just before lockdown, I was sort of thinking, maybe I'd quite like to maybe move into doing a bit of directing and things like that. I'd done a couple of little bits of that sort of thing. Um, directed a couple of pilots and, like, short, small-scale things and a couple of short films with some friends. And um, so I sort of had, I had a bit of kit and I had a little bit of software. I, I sort of was, I sort of was learning how to use editing software, that kind of thing. And then lockdown happened, and obviously, you know, we couldn't do any live things. And I thought, well, maybe I'll start doing a bit of stuff. And I saw people um, like the Pin. Do you remember they, yeah. they they did some brilliant stuff really early on in lockdown, almost straight away. Uh, and then Alistair Green had already been doing that for a while. And I thought, well, maybe I could do something a bit like that. And I just made a couple of sketches. And the first one I did was about Edinburgh, the Edinburgh Festival because it had just been cancelled. And I, I thought, I wonder if I could do, like, a funny thing about, like, what would be the first two minutes of every Edinburgh show this year. Right. And I came up with all the kind of hackiest jokes I could think of about coronavirus and, and, what, and, and you know, don't shake my hand and masks and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I did that. And then that kind of went a little bit, I wouldn't say viral, but kind of it started, it got a few hits and stuff and I just kind of kept making them because I thought well they've got nothing else to do yeah um and then after probably after a couple of months of doing sketches and bits and pieces I ended up doing one which was quite topical about um like I think it was about flags it was about there'd been some issue where uh, that someone had complained about the fact there wasn't a flag in the background of a minister's oh, yes, or something. Yeah, yeah. And, and I just made a... I did a sort of funny uh, a sketch which was about, like, increasing the number of flags. And he just got more and more flags until <laughs> he was covered in flags and he had the picture of the Queen on his face. And, uh, uh, and, it, and it was quite fun. Then that went really big and loads of people shared it and stuff. And I thought, oh, maybe this is, this is kind of fun and I can do that. And I did more sort of topical things. And yeah. then I, I've always loved satire like political comedy i loved you know like the long johns and um you know uh, like uh you know brass eye and the day-to-day and all that kind of stuff when i was when i was sort of a teenager and so this felt like a way of me kind of um yeah sort of doing stuff that was a bit like that and then because it was in lockdown i have to play all the characters so i'm like interviewing myself on state on screen as like a tory mp or as a minister or as someone who's a spokesperson for somebody or other and it's just kind of grown and grown, and I, I just got more and more followers, and now I've got a, quite a lot of followers who really like what those things are, so yeah, I just keep doing them. I mean, it's, it's, it is really exciting for comedy that this is possible, mm. I think, and, that, you know, as a, again, as I say, because, you, you know, you've been doing stand-up for all the time, you've been doing all these acting jobs as well, so yeah. you've been working really hard, and are a very good stand-up, but it's kind of, you know, it's often hard to to make that breakthrough i suppose into yeah because there's so many clips of stand up on screen yeah. on on um, online now that i think unless you yeah unless you're very lucky it's quite hard to break through with stand up yeah, now yeah. whereas i think sketches because there are slightly fewer of those there's still a lot of them but slightly fewer of those i think people and also because i do 
because I do satirical stuff, topical stuff, there's a, you know, there's a few of us doing that, but there's not like hundreds of people doing that. So I think if people like that kind of thing, then hopefully they'll like, yeah, what I do. And I, because I try to make it as topical as possible, I like, I make them on the day if I can. And like, I really like yeah. trying to get, if there's been a funny thing that happened that morning, I try and get something out that afternoon, you know? Yeah, well, that's what I think's really impressive. I think Munya Chihuahua does, oh, he's, does it I mean, really he's fast as well. But yeah. you're, but you know, no, hardly anyone is as fast as you, I think, in terms of, Taking an idea and 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 thinking of the of the angle and, and then making it. Yeah, I, well, thank you. I mean, yeah, I I, I love doing it. And it, there's a kind of rush when you sort of see something and think, oh right, okay, there's definitely something in that. I can make something out of that. And and because it's all quite set up, it's all just a green screen in front of a yeah. uh, a camera at home. Then it's it's quite simple. And because I'm not working with anyone else, I can just do it all myself and get it out as quickly as possible. And so this, you're touring your current stand-up show, to, is you're about to take that on tour next year. Yeah. So is that, is that as a result of this totally. additional following? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I'd never, I've never been able to do a, a, like a full stand-up show on tour before. I've done loads of shows in Edinburgh and the, Cam- like the Camden Fringe and places like that. Yeah. But um, yeah, I'd, never, I'd, so, I'd love to have done a tour, but I'd never really had enough following to do that um and now yeah i've got enough people it seems to 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 be able to come and see me so the show is like it's it's going to be in two halves and the first half is going to be me doing a character like my sort of tory mp character basically and some video stuff in there which hasn't fully worked out yet but i'm kind of getting there with that and then the second half is stand-up is me doing stand-up and with a political sort of edge to it because that's what i like doing but 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 also a couple of stories from previous shows and stuff so that yeah hopefully people who like what i do online will come and see me live and think oh yeah i like that as well yeah it's called um uh th- that guy what's it called it's called that, gu- that, <laughs> that guy. guy it is called that guy yeah but that's so that's because it, it that does work well for both you're that guy who does those things and mm. also you're that guy from the tv show i don't quite remember where i've seen you from yeah yeah and it's always an advert when people go, because <laughs> I've done one or two adverts. And again, whenever anyone's going, oh, do I know you from somewhere? Like, it's an advert, yeah. That's, yeah. It's like straight away. Well, d- well, tell us about the, uh, you did a whole show about this, I think, about Harvey Keitel, didn't yes. you? Yes. But you were, you were in an advert with Harvey Keitel. I was in an advert with Harvey Keitel. I was in one of those direct line adverts, remember, where he played the wolf. Um, and I was next to him in a car. So I basically spent a whole day, like six hours, directly next to Harvey Keitel in a car. And people, the main thing people always ask me is, was he really there? (laughs) (laughs) Like, you know, was it a green screen or something? And I'm like, well, I mean, maybe these days they could have done that, but no, like he was there. Yeah, we did meet and he was there. Um, And and the big question people always ask is, you know, what was he like? Uh, What did you talk about and stuff? So I did did do a show last uh, year, uh, well, 20, gosh, 2016 now, in uh in edinburgh which was called writing to harvey keitel because the thing was that people kept asking me you know what he was like and i just wondered whether people asked him what i was like yes <laughs> you know was he getting that all the time what was that guy like in the car you know? <laughs> so i thought i'd start writing to him so i wrote to him via his agent and just wrote these letters sort of saying hey harvey you might not remember me but this is who i am and it became a kind of frame for the show and and then I sort of became a bit obsessed with Harvey Keitel and I found like a Harvey Keitel lookalike right. and, uh, <laughs> and tried to hire him for a party and all this kind of stuff. Um, but the sort of, the, the kind of punchline to the show really is that basically he said nothing to me for the whole day. <laughs> right. He was incredibly like, I think he was quite tired and jet lagged and stuff, but he was ve- just very not interested. Right. And the, the, basically the first thing, because I've worked with quite a lot of people over the years and 
most people are really friendly and nice when you meet them in real life. And so I sat in this car, and I was quite nervous. Obviously, it's like, oh, I can't tell who's there. Sat there, we did the first shot on him. And, um, and you know, I was sitting there, and they went, okay, cut, we'll move, move, move. But you stay in the car, we'll move, you know, the camera will move quite quickly. Uh, so I just turned and went, so, um, how are you enjoying being in London? <laughs> and he just went, we're not doing that. And that was it. <laughs> that was it for the whole rest of the day. And he had a trailer, obviously, and, like, several assistants. I think he had two makeup artists, right? <laughs> and it was just quite... It was like, as you was say... It for the top half or the side? I think what it was... Is that, which way do... Yeah, left and right. I think that's what it was. <laughs> I do the top for yeah. Harvey Keitel. There's uh, not a show in that, isn't there? I'm one of the two makeup yeah, artists. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I, uh, yeah. But, it, but it, was one of those defini- it was definitely one of those things, like you were saying about Idris, that, like... Um, it was very clear who was the star in that situation because yeah. he had a trailer and all these people and I was sitting in a cafe next to the, <laughs> next to the thing. That, you know, I didn't even have a dressing room or anything. Uh, and every time they stopped, they would, like, they, they would go up to him and check his, check his moustache was exactly right and get the hair out of his face and no one did anything with me. <laughs> Just like, and I was like, Is my, am I okay? And they were like, yeah, it's fine. Uh, yeah. It's interesting. There's no need to be a dick though, is there? I mean, that's why when people are dicks like that, I mean, it's, you know, fair enough. Like, it's, I imagine he wasn't in the happiest place in his... You know, you've been in a massive film that's yeah. critically acclaimed, and then someone says, right, we're going to pay you a lot of money to reprise that character. We'll have to slightly change it so we don't have to pay yeah, Quentin yeah, yeah. Tar- Tarantino or anything. And you'll come and we'll do this. You're going to go, I don't want it. <laughs> but he like, did it he, for a while, though. He did a few more as well. He did do a lot, didn't he? Yeah. I mean, it would, you'd think, especially because he's such a... An amazing actor and such a, a lauded actor. It feels like, I mean, you know. It, yeah, it, it, but, but he's an interesting one because I, I did all this research on him in the end and uh, for this show. And he did have quite a, a difficult career starting out. Like yeah. he, he was in Mean Streets, you know, the Scorsese film, which was huge. Which was, well, it wasn't massively, it was critically acclaimed. Uh, it was him and De Niro were in that film together. And so he and De Niro were both lauded as like the big, next big thing. Right. And the next film that De Niro did was The Godfather Part 2. Yes. And the next thing that Harvey Keitel did was one, one episode of Kojak. <laughs> and that was it. And he didn't really work for quite right. a long time. And then yeah. he had to go off to Europe and do like kind of European films. And it was then, it was basically Tarantino that kind of brought him back and yeah. made him a star again. Why do you think Direct Line chose the Tarantino film and not when it, they could have done him masturbating outside the window from Bad Lieutenant? They? That would have been better. They, you could have been in there. Yeah. And he could have been... He could have been get like... Some, get some insurance. Yeah, in yeah. In case someone spunks on your Even car. Even spunk on the car. <laughs> yeah. No claims, bonus yeah. is retained if it's spunk. Yeah, I yeah. think they missed the trick. I think people would have liked that. I think he'd have liked to recreate that bit. I don't, you'd, have had to, you'd have had to be putting your bum up and stuff to try and... Try and get him turned on. Yeah. Would you have done that? If that had been the role, would you have taken that role? Um. <laughs> if he was methoding it as well, he said, I'm a very... Like, I'm not going to talk he is, to you. Yeah, he is method, yeah. I'm not going to talk to you, but I'm just going to tell you I'm methoding this. This is all going to be the, the real, the real Harvey Cut. I'm going to go with a no on no, that, probably. I'd yeah. That. I think it would have been a story. If, you, if that happened... Imagine then you get to tell that story on a, a podcast <laughs> six years later. Ten years later, yeah. yeah, yeah. It would have been amazing. You're right, you're right. I would have definitely got a show out of it. Yeah, yeah. you would have got a show. But you got a show out of it anyway. I know, exactly. But imagine the show you'd have got. I know. I feel sad now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's a rumour about him, that he was too method on... Um, 
uh, I think it's just a scurrilous rumour, but that he was on the... Oh, well, then let's put this out on a yeah, podcast yeah. That, I, that I'll get sued for. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead, yeah. Matt. We need this to be one, one every show. Yeah. The, um, the Kubrick show, Eyes Wide Shut, uh, the Kubrick film. Oh, yeah. Um, he, was originally, he was originally cast to play the character that Sidney Pollock plays. Right. The sort of, the, the kind of, the guy who introduces them to the orgies and things. Uh, and there was a, there was a kind of rumour went round that the reason that Keitel was moved on from that was because he was got too method into the <laughs> sex scenes okay. and um, masturbated on people. Yeah, right. yeah. He just liked doing it. That's what. Yeah, he just loved it. But I think. I think. Sad, I think that, the reality was it was just a scheduling conflict. <laughs> but uh, but let's put that out and let's see. Yeah, let's see I mean, let's put it out. And if Harvey Keitel doesn't sue the podcast, we'll know that he did do that. <laughs> so you know that's. And if he does sue the podcast, you guys will chip in and <laughs> we'll do a little kick kickstarter. kickstarter. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I haven't done one for a while. Yeah, why not? Harvey Keitel. And, <laughs> I'll, and then everyone who contributes, I will masturbate in the, their, through their car window at them as part of the price. Well, if they don't, don't well, either way, if you want it, I'll do it. Yeah. If you don't want it, I do won't it. do it unless you pay. Yeah. yeah. I think turn it around, you say you will do it unless they pay. I okay, they, I yeah, will yeah. do it unless that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah. that's what yeah. I meant. Yeah. Thank you. Whatever, I'll do it. I don't, don't, don't even have to pay. <laughs> this isn't the weekend, Richard. This isn't the weekend. <laughs> um, I, I didn't know about... I didn't know... I, I've never seen this show and I didn't know about it, but you wrote a, a sh- you co-wrote a show, pilot show for ABC, right? Oh, wow, yeah. Mates. Yeah, that, I mean, that is a, a, a weird story of... I, I, so, some friends of mine... Um, called Robin French and Kieran Quirk, who've both gone on to write interesting things, um, sitcoms and, and dramas. Uh, and we were sort of friends through comedy and stuff. And we, we wrote a sitcom um, pilot together um, years ago, like <clears throat> 2001, two or something. And we wrote it together and it did quite well and got optioned by some TV company, I can't remember now. And, but they didn't make it in the end. So, fine that's disappeared these things happen and we then sort of broke up and they went off and wrote stuff and I went off and started doing stand-up and then about three or four years later it was quite a long time later my agent rang me and said Matt have you have you written a sitcom <laughs> and I was like uh, yeah well what <laughs> what are you talking about and they said and my agent went yeah um, just Disney have bought your sitcom <laughs> and I said what do you mean and it turned out basically they had put that like um, sample script into a a, a writing packet, I think they call it, right. and their agent had sent it off to various studios, just saying these are the kind of things these people write. And a studio at Disney were looking for new sitcoms for their new. They had a new channel coming out called ABC Family, um, and they found this script and they liked it so much. They said, "We want to make this script, not just you know we are good, but this specific thing." So I had this weird situation where they rang me. Uh, yeah, they said, "We want you to basically can you." give us the rights. So I had to essentially give them the rights, but okay. then become, I became like creator of this sitcom, which was great. And I was like, obviously thinking, wow, this is amazing. I get to be a creator of a sitcom. And I got some small percentage of every episode that was being made and stuff. And I thought, this could be it. I could, you know, if this becomes the next Friends, amazing. Yeah. Um, you might have worked out Did it become the next Friends? By the fact I'm here. Did it become the next Friends? It did not become oh. the next Friends. It, they did. The next they shot it, and they shot a few episodes, but it never really. It, I think they did like half a series or something. Right. But but my mates, Robin and Kieran, they went off to America and they show run this sitcom for like six months or something. And yeah. it was kind of a, a kind of amazingly bizarre experience. Um, yeah. 
But uh, yeah, and I saw the pilot. I've only ever seen the pilot. It was very weird watching American actors doing lines that we had written, like in just our bedrooms, like yeah. s- like seven, six, seven years previously or something. Yeah. It was. Did, mad. Did, did you feel like it was you were living in a simulation when you saw that happen? <laughs> Uh, no. No, okay. <laughs> it's very exciting. It is very exciting. And it's, it is weird how, you know, that's... That, you know, we're actually talking about Sasha Bancone, Peter Bainham, you, yeah. know, you know, just your life can just sort of turn. Peter Bainham got a ring call from Sasha Bancone saying, do you want to come and work in Mary? He went, no, nah, I don't, don't think so. Yeah, yeah. And then went, what am I doing? And then yeah. rang back and said, oh, actually, can I come? And that, now he's <laughs> it's a massive Hollywood screenwriter. I had so a, like, those things can just sort of happen with this or not happen. Yeah, as, I've had a few you know. of the, I've had both. I've had yeah. things that have kind of nearly happened and then not happened. Yeah. And then, you know, and I think if you, if you spend enough time in being an actor or whatever or, you know, doing comedy stuff as well, yes, some good stuff happens and then bad stuff happens. I did an American, I did a screen test in, La, in Los Angeles in 2007 for, again, this big show that everyone was going, this is going to be the next big thing. It was by the writer of the Gilmore Girls. It was the next project that she'd made. So everyone was like, oh, my God. And and I got this casting, and it went well, and they went, we want to fly you over to America to be, like, a main character in this new sitcom. And I'd never been to America before. I'd never been on a long-haul flight before. So I I got there, and I was, like, jet-lagged. And I I was really, you know, this felt like the sort of the Hollywood dream kind of thing did the casting, went really well, did the screen test, went really well, got home, and then just, I just didn't get it. Didn't, right. get, the, didn't get the role. And, uh, they were, and the casting director rang me and was really upset and was like, I really fought for you. I, think, I thought you'd been really good, but you didn't. Anyway, you know, maybe, maybe next time, you know. And then again, that show was one of the least successful shows of all time. <laughs> they made, again, they made like one episode and it's right. now in, it's in lists of like the worst sitcoms ever made. And I think, so in a way, I was really unlucky not to get it. But in another yeah. way, if you can imagine, I just imagine sort of leaving Britain going like, screw you guys, I'm going to be an American sitcom. And then like three months later, how was the sitcom? No, no, no it's fine. <laughs> Coming back. There's a sitcom in that, Matt. You just there pitched is, a brilliant yeah. sitcom. About uh, someone coming back, having told, having burnt all his bridges. Yeah. Um, are you ever mistaken for yeah. the footballer Matt Green? Uh, online, very occasionally. Okay. Yeah. I don't know who he plays. Is he plays for? I think he used to play for Brighton or something. No. I don't care. Occasionally, if I. <laughs> <laughs> Not what I'm interested in. No. Are you ever mistaken for Matt Green, the rapping science teacher? Oh, I've never heard of him. Have you not? No, it's, it, he comes uh, up on the first page if you put oh, Matt really? Green in, yeah. Oh. Have you ever, you know, thought about becoming a rapping science teacher? Wow. Could you give me a... Could you give me a... There are some uh, YouTube videos that rap. I will never release. <laughs> do you think you could do... Could you think you could teach people through the medium of rap about science? Well, no. How, how are you <laughs> Well, you know, Matt Green's doing it. I did, doing do a, I did do a rap in one of my Edinburgh shows. Did you? Yeah. At the end of the show, it was like a kind of... It was when rap, like comedy rap, was suddenly was briefly very like in. Everyone was sort of like it was when you know Abandonman was doing it and yeah. Dan M. Topolsky was doing it and a few other people were doing it. And I thought I'm gonna have a go at that. I'll try that. And I did it at the end. It sort of wrapped, you know, a rap that kind of wrapped up everything that was in the show. Yeah, it was quite fun. But I don't think Eminem needs to worry. Okay. <laughs> Just trying to think of a science rap. Then you got mitosis. <laughs> And I've got meiosis, that's all I've got. <laughs> How'd you make a hormone? Don't pay her. That's why that's, uh, that's... 
cancellation number four. What? <laughs> it's an old joke. We used to do that at school, that one. Of course, it doesn't make sense because a whore gives out sex for free. That's the definition of a whore. <laughs> and you're assuming the whore's female and you're the sexist one. <laughs> Never said that. Um, look, uh, let's, before I forget, let's tell everyone about the tour. So the tour is called That Guy. Yep. 2024, all around the UK. How can we find out about the dates? Uh, Apart from just Googling it like a, a yeah, normal Fe- person? Yeah, February and March next year. Yeah. Uh, go to my website and my Twitter and stuff. Matt Green Comedy, that, I'm, I'm, I'm that on all the different socials. And the uh, website is mattgreencomedy.com. Great. Um, I, I very much recommend, Matt, if you haven't seen his stuff online, check it out. It's very well, well worth your time. Coming up with new stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. Coming up with very topical stuff all the time. It's good stuff. And, uh, yeah, and on Instagram, you can do get, you do put up funny yeah, bits like, from your stand-up as I well. I put out stand-up bits to remind people that I also do stand-up. <laughs> <laughs> and nobody, like, on, I do it on YouTube, and my YouTube followers are predominantly people who really like politics. That's yes. what they, you know. So every time I do a stand-up bit, they're always like, oh... Great. <laughs> like, yeah, good. That's fine. Do the politics stuff. You know. Yeah. But I, want, I do want to keep reminding people that I do stand so that, yeah. And you, do you still, I think you do, but do you still enjoy stand-up after all this time? It's, it's a long time to be doing yeah. stand-up. And yeah. Is, do you still get a kick out of it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, I, I think, well, you know, it goes in peaks and troughs a bit. I think you definitely have times, I've definitely had times where I've been like a bit, Oh God, am I still doing? You know, am I still doing this? And but then, then you all it takes is for you to write one new good bit or have one fun gig where you play with the audience and something fun happens, and and it reminds you, oh yeah, it's really it's great, and there's a there's so much freedom to it because I think, yeah, if you do it a long time, you can end up doing the sort of the same gigs a lot and the same material and stuff, and so I think that's all that happens is it gets a bit kind of monotonous, and once you've if you change that up, then yeah, it's just it's exciting. Yeah. I was watching a very funny uh, routine, which we probably can't go into in loads of detail because it was quite a long routine. Yeah. But you had a, um, a tweet that went mm. viral. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, and got re- retweeted by J.K. Rowling, I think. Is that right? Before that was controversial. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. No, that, that, yeah, that was, um, that was my, own, my first taste of kind of internet virality before I started making videos and stuff. Right. That was um, 2017, I think it was. Uh, and it was, the tweet was something like, uh, Brexit increasingly feels to me like a man in his 50s who can't wait to get divorced so he can get on Tinder and meet loads of 20-year-olds. Right. And that is how it always goes with gigs. <laughs> it's one of those jokes that people go, hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's a real hmm. Uh, but on Twitter, obviously, people liked it because it, it sort of sums something up about... I think, what the Brexit process felt like then. And still does. I think it's still... And the number of people you hear making basically that joke that, yes. you know, Britain is sort of in a, in a relationship or, or was in a bad relationship and is now divorced but still wants to kind of fuck around and, you know. Yes. There, but what my favourite thing about that experience was that as I, that, um, yeah, as, as I put on the video is that, like, just, I just got hundreds and hundreds of replies and almost every reply initially anyway was people explaining the joke back yeah. to me <laughs> just just people going yeah yeah and those 20 year olds won't want to fuck him <laughs> <laughs> yeah yes that is literally the joke i'm making yes 
but then it got weird and then people started like like elaborating on it and creating more jokes out of it and sort of go yeah and actually he'll he'll end up stuck in his in his wife's shed in the garden and he'll be masturbating while she's fucking a, a younger man or something it's like i think this is actually something that's happening in your life isn't it this is <laughs> Think, I think you, and, but then also there were obviously then there were the kind of Brexit fans who would come in and go. I think you'll find his wife was ugly, actually, <laughs> and she'd been mistreating him for years. And and actually, men deserve better than that. And I really miss my wife. And like, what? what? You're <laughs> but yeah, but but it was one of these ones where it went quite. You know, it got a bit viral, and I think probably you retweeted it, and a few other people retweeted it, uh, and it was like. Getting, it got maybe about 500 retweets or something. It was a lot for me then. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. That's, you know, I've never had anything like that. And I went to bed and then overnight, J.K. Rowling retweeted it and it just went, you know, and just thousands of people found it and retweeted it. And, uh, and then, yeah, it was, uh, it was just really fun. Yeah, it's, fun. Fun. it's really fun for And also it kind of goes off into discussions of Supermarket. Oh, so it goes so oh, God, weird. Yeah, yeah there's a bit it. where it kind of goes off into about little and... Uh, God, I've forgotten that bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah some... some some guy, yeah, I can't even remember how that goes now, but someone said, it's something about like, yeah, um, and oh, that's it. It's, someone says, yeah, and, and he'll be stuck eating, um, stuck eating value beans from Aldi at the buck, you know, in, in, a, in a shed whilst his wife's off doing something else. <laughs> and someone replied, went, I quite like value beans from Aldi. <laughs> and then someone else was like, um, actually, I think the beans from Little are actually quite good too. <laughs> And then someone was like, are Aldi and Little from the same company? I thought they would... And then, so, and then someone else replies, yeah, actually, they were... They, apparently, it was a, 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 a couple of brothers who set up Aldi, and one set up Little, and then they worked together for a while, then they split up, and they now have totally different... And, the, and then, then one was like, is this... Was this German brothers? Yeah, it was German brothers. And then, it, and then finally, right at the end, it's like, people just going, sorry, what, is, what are we talking about now? Like... <laughs> And then, and then someone was like, yeah, I really like Aldi Brothers. And I really like Aldi Beans. And someone was like, yes, that was the point of this conversation. <laughs> and I love, and, and yeah, it's a shame. And we were talking about stage, how Twitter's become less fun these days. And yeah. That was definitely it's a It's called X now, call it X. Yeah. I insist you call it I will, X. I will never, that's my small rebellion. I will never call it X. <laughs> Don't it will always be, because have you noticed now in, 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 like on, in papers and stuff, whenever they say somebody posted something, they always say someone posted something on X brackets, formerly Twitter. Yeah. And that will never change. No one's ever going to just say X. Um, but yeah, it used to be, that, that was at a time when it, I remember Twitter was much more fun and you could have these things would happen without it just becoming just all bots and, you know. Yeah. Yeah, though it's sort of almost, a, you know, it's, a, it's almost the, it almost foreshadows what's to come in the kind of craziness oh, yeah, of yeah, yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, but, I'm not saying but, it was like a golden age. You know, but, yeah. <laughs> but it's definitely true. You know, I think, it is, I think it's, I think it's broken to, to an extent that it's not any use for what we were using for. If we want to become like Nazis, fucking brilliant though. <laughs> if you fancy it. Yeah. You know, I, I'm not tempting. saying... If I have to come down on, on off the fence, I'm saying Nazis are bad, right? <laughs> but it's if we gave it a go, yeah, you and we could do it together. Look, there isn't a single, you know, middle-aged white <laughs> straight comedian who yeah. hasn't at least slightly thought there's quite a big market there. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite a big Nazi market. It's growing all the time. It's growing yeah, all the it's, time. It, it's sadly a very growing market. They're quite. They, yeah, they. Yeah, um, I would be. Ca- I would. Uh, I would. 
And I would say be cautious to those comedians because Nazis can grow to be a really big thing and then just the next day, bang, it's gone again. So, yeah. And historically, it's, you know. Yeah. It might be but exciting that, to play around I don't around think it happened, it. sadly, I don't think that bang happened overnight. <laughs> <laughs> what if it was... That was like a five-year... Oh, yeah, it was a five-year pro- five bang. It was quite a tricky process, I would say, <laughs> it was yeah. A bang. Yeah. Then, yeah. Then there was a gone. big long bang with yeah. lots of lots of little bangs in it. Yeah, yeah. I guess we're talking about the war, aren't we? We're talking yeah, about the war. yeah, yeah. The, yeah. I'm talking about the Adolf Adolf Hitler's Nazis. I yeah. was talking about. I don't know if you remember them. Yeah. Um, look, it's. Um, <laughs> I don't think we can beat that. Uh, so uh, that's what he said. <laughs> it's uh, really lovely to see you. It's really lovely to be in Winchester. I love it here. I'm sorry I've been so rude to you. I don't know what came <laughs> over me. Uh, I will be out in the foyer after. I forgot to say, you can buy uh, Rahalastaba top trumps. Ooh. I even found some stickers. Look at those you can buy. Wow. Yeah, madam, what do you think? You're looking excited. I can see you looking excited. Thinking about sticking those on your school folder, aren't you? <laughs> uh, and there's some other books and some, um, and some DVDs of my shows. But um, look, Matt, thanks so much for doing this. Uh, do Thank go you. and see Matt on tour. Do watch uh, his stuff online. Ladies and gentlemen, the amazing Matt Green, not the rapping science guy, like you thought it was going to be. See you. Thank you very much. See you next time. You have been listening to Rahalastaba with me, Richard Herring, and my guest, Matt Green. Thank you to Scant Regard for jingle jangling along with these credits. I'm indebted to my director and friend, Chris Evans. Not that one. I'm indebted to Ben Evans. Not that one. I'm indebted to George Lingford. Not that one. Oh, no, it is that one. Uh, and thank you to Bex as well, who wasn't actually with me on this part of the tour, but still booked the hotels and stuff, which is a very important part of the experience. And also, thank you to everyone at the Theatre Royal. It's lovely to be back. I've been coming here since 1987, my fan friends, and don't you forget it. This is a Sky Potato Fuzz and GoFosterStripe.com production. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Thanks again for listening to the podcast. RichardHerring.com slash ballback slash tour or RichardHerring.com slash gigs for all of the information on the tour. GoFosterStripe.com for lots of downloads and books and lots of fun. Thanks for listening. Go and listen to another one. Tell your friends about the show. Tell your friends about the tour. I love you all. I'm out.